Hello and welcome to the Black Arrow's Employment Team podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and aims to keep you on the street and narrow with your staff. My name is Simon Nelson. I'm head of the Black Arrow's Employment Team. This is our Listen and Learn season of podcasts. So welcome along to episode six of season five of Employment Law in Your Pocket. I mean, welcome along Donna Reynolds and Jack Boyle. Hi guys. Hello. Hello guys, good morning. What's the plan today then team? I think we are plugging mock tribunals. We are indeed. Coming okay. up soon. Okay, coming to a city near you, Aberdeen, Dundee, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Fife. I need to do that in your Hollywood voice. <laughs> <laughs> Dundee, <laughs> Aberdeen, <laughs> Jack. Fife. Fife. <laughs> then if you want to go to come mock tribunal, come along and we'll welcome you along. End of October, is it? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, early November. November. Yeah. Are you team Jack, team Duncan, team employment judge Reynolds? <laughs> Alison. <laughs> okay, so this is our Listen and Learn season of podcasts. So we're going to tell a story about a situation which we've encountered. Obviously, we're not going to disclose any client names or details. We keep all that secret. Um, but then we'll move on and talk about the law as it relates to the situation. Then we give our three takeaway tips. So, remarkably, we're on episode six already. How did that happen, Can you Jack? That? How did that happen? When you having fun? It's more yeah. fun being here in the studio than it is in the office, isn't that's it? That's so, true, that's true, that's true. Um, so, yeah, we're on episode six. Hopefully you've heard um, all the other episodes from episode one onwards to five. But if you haven't, please stop. Go back to the beginning. This isn't something that you can just pick up halfway through. <laughs> we are trying to... It's not like Family Guy, you know. You, it's more like, it's more like I don't know, The Sopranos. You need to go right... You need to go at the very start and follow the chronology. West Wing. Mm-hmm. West okay. Wing. Okay, okay. Yep, one story told week by week. So to pick up where we left off last episode, Bruce, a.k.a. the Hulk, is employed as a scientist but he's made a serious error in his job. He's suspended and required to attend disciplinary hearing. He's asked for postponement because he has sore fists, but his request is refused. Miss Potts decides to hold a meeting in his absence and Bruce is dismissed. Bruce attempts to derail things with a subject access request, but Miss Potts has wised his plans to throw a spanner in the works. So, Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk, has appealed the decision to dismiss him, Mon Dieu. <laughs> you speak French since when? Si, senor. <laughs> That's not French, Jack. Oui, oui, senor, since last week. All right, okay, let's move on quickly. <laughs> yep, he has um, appealed a decision, and let's be honest, why wouldn't he? Um, if he wants his job back, then he's going to try to argue that the decision was wrong or the procedure was wrong. Plus, if he wants to bring a claim of unfair dismissal, then he'll want to avoid a reduction of up to 25% of any compensation he might be awarded just because he doesn't appeal. So any employer then should be prepared for an appeal against dismissal. Definitely. At the outset, when the disciplinary hearing was being arranged, Miss Potts should have been thinking about who would hear any appeal and keep them in reserve. Someone other than the person who took the decision to dismiss, ideally someone more senior or at the same level as the decision maker. Okay. So a smaller employer might need to look outside the business, perhaps bring in an HR consultant to ensure the fairness of the appeal. We had a case just recently where the management team wasn't actually big enough to have different people conduct the investigation, take the disciplinary hearing and also then conduct the appeal. But that's important because that's what um, is expected under the ACAS code of practice and a failure to comply with that could mean an increase, like Donna says, of a fairly big percentage, one quarter, 25% of any compensation. 
But in this case, Bruce is appealing because he now says he has sore fists and that's disability, which Mrs Potts didn't know at the time of his dismissal. That's right. In episode four, you boys were speculating about the reason for Bruce's sore fists, a bit like Miss Potts would have been doing at the time. And you decided it probably wasn't a disability. However, his appeal letter now says he has rheumatoid arthritis and this can cause him to have sore fists. Okay. So the question is, what investigation, if any, do we need to carry out at the appeal stage about what he says now about having disability? Yep. And that's important because we need to know if Bruce's dismissal could be discriminatory, even if Miss Potts didn't know about the disability at the time she took the decision to dismiss. Mm, okay. Is that where this um, ought reasonably to have known about disability that we talked about in episode four comes into play, Donna? It does. Um, if an employer has some information about the employee's health that it could have been relatively easy to have made inquiries into, and it doesn't, that's when a tribunal is likely to say that the employer ought reasonably to have known about the disability. Okay. So in this case, the employer could have constructive knowledge. Um, so, Donna, what form should an investigation take? It doesn't have to be overly complicated. You want a bit more information from Bruce about his condition, how it affects him, how long he's had it and how he manages it. And then you should really get a medical opinion from a GP or if he's taking advice from a consultant or occupational health. And then once you've got all that information, the medical stuff, would it be reasonable to probably give then speak to Bruce about it and let him comment on it? Yeah, I think that's right. You just want to check with him that he's happy with the content, that he's got nothing more to add before you make any decisions. And if all the information points to Bruce having disability, and if Miss Potts didn't know when she dismissed him, only was now about the appeal, can the dismissal be discriminated on her? Potentially. So you'll like this one, Jack. A wee case reference oh, for you. I know you it. like these. I love nice. The case. nice, nice, so, nice. So um, the case of Baldy against Church's Housing Association of Dudley and District Limited. Are what, you laughing? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the claimant's name again? <laughs> I've said it already. I'm not saying it again. Did you say Baldy? Baldy. Baldy. Bobo Baldy. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. <laughs> so in that case, uh, the claimant was a housing support worker and she was dismissed at the end of a six-month probationary period following concerns about performance. So you'd think that would be okay. And particularly because these issues had been raised with her previously and they'd been discussed with her. She appealed and she told her employer at her appeal that she suffered from depression and that sometimes caused her to pay, behave unusually and to suffer from short-term memory lapses. But her appeal was dismissed. So she brought a disability discrimination claim, but she lost at the Employment Tribunal. She appealed to the Employment Appeal Tribunal and it found that she had been discriminated against. Okay. And why did the EAT say that Miss Baldy had been discriminated against? You just had to say that. <laughs> Hair loss <it>? discrimination. <laughs> so why, um, Donna? Yes, being serious. The employer had actual or constructive knowledge before it rejected her appeal. So it, it had knowledge of her disability, but it didn't take it into account before making that decision in relation to her appeal. And because her claim was then discrimination arising from disability. Okay, okay, okay. So is that the case where sometimes the employee maybe says, I might well have done something wrong, but... I only did it because of my disability. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So in this case, the claimant was dismissed for a number of reasons, including communication issues with colleagues. The something wrong was the communication issues, but the medical evidence confirmed she would have behaved unusually and behaving unusually arose from or was because of her disability. Okay, but you said there were other reasons for her dismissal. 
um, what if she could have been dismissed for these reasons without taking into account the communication issues? The Employment Appeal Tribunal said it doesn't matter. Oh, the okay. test, the test is whether um, matters arising in consequence of the disability, so the communication issues arising in consequence of her depression, had a material influence on the decision to dismiss, which it did. So in this case, Bruce has been dismissed for making serious errors. Now, if those errors were recording inaccurate data and leaving an experiment unsupervised, even if he could have been dismissed for the lack of supervision, if he can't show that his sore fist affect his handwriting or typing and he makes mistakes, he could then argue that this is maybe something arising from his disability and therefore making it um, discriminatory. Yeah, so Stark Industries, because of that, needs to think about the objective justification for his dismissal if it wants to avoid having an award of compensation and injury to feelings. But the key point out of all of this is Bruce can't be penalised for not mentioning a disability until the appeal hearing. But Stark Industries could be if it doesn't investigate and properly consider this new information before making that decision to uphold the decision to dismiss. Oh, wow. So it can be a, a bit more extra work for the employer than at the appeal stage. It's worth it, though. Yeah. It is worth it. It's all changing for Bruce. All change for Bruce. Okay, so what are our three takeaway tips then, team? So number one, don't immediately dismiss any new information just because it wasn't raised at the disciplinary hearing. Number two, don't try to rush the appeal, but instead take time to get proper investigations and probably include some medical evidence as well. Okay. And tip three, don't forget to ask if the decision to dismiss is the decision you would have reached knowing what you did now. Um, and also tip four, allow tip four, am I? Um, Was that not... Who's that, the new Ruth? <laughs> <laughs> tip three and a half is um, if it is... Um, be sure to record your reasons as to why the decision to dismiss is the right one, even if it may be discriminatory. Your That's objective it. justification, yep. Good stuff. Nice. Um, so that concludes episode six of season five. If you like this, then please subscribe to our podcast. Can't believe that's just done half a dozen already, eh? Mm-hmm. Six of one and half a dozen of another, as they say in Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I've been looking at some of the reviews. I know All that right. you've, in the last last few, you've been looking at reviews, yes, so I thought yes, I would yes. do the same. Okay. This one's a bit wordy, but I quite like it. Okay, okay. give it. Let's hear it. So, let, oh, do we do a guess of the number of stars at the end or at the beginning? One star. At the end. At the end. Give okay. Me, give me Let's face it, when something goes wrong in the workplace, lots of people suddenly become experts in employment law. Unfortunately, reality is much trickier than just doing what Dan from Account says is the correct course of action. <laughs> Do the wrong thing and it can be costly, time consuming and cause unwanted friction in the workplace. Thankfully, these podcasts from the employment law team at Blackadders break down the necessary steps to do things correctly. Excellent balance of humour and factual advice. And the best bit? Yes. It's free. <laughs> that must be surely <laughs> six stars. If, if it were possible, it would be. But <laughs> Seven it's five. stars. Five, five, five stars. stars. Yeah. Good stuff. So that's the end of that then. Yep. Next time on Employment Lawyer in Your Pocket. So basically, Bruce blew the whistle, saying it was only a matter of time before somebody made his mistake and that he was the unlucky one. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so so we were preparing for today what's that we prepare for these do we? 
Don't you prepare? <laughs> prepare diligently for them all. We do, don't we, Jack? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> so um, sore fists, Peter yes. Bruce. Yes, yes, yes. I've yes, learned, yes. right, do this with me. Okay. You clench your fists. Yep. And you put them together. Yep. It's the same size as your brain. Really? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? You yeah. must have tiny wee fists, say Simon. Oh, well, I was just going to say, <laughs> look at Jack's hands. That's why they're so small. You've got a cheek. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cheers and cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> cheerio. <laughs>